Welcome to Knives Out Minute. I am your host, Brian. My guest for this week, once again, continues to be Rick Ingham. Hello there. Hello there. And we are on minute number 93, which is one hour and 32 minutes to one hour and 32 minutes and 59 seconds into the movie, I Am a Golden God. Uh, So... A lot of driving in this one. Absolutely. This is the kind of content that I live for. I was going to say, this is, this is where the, uh, the, the Mad Max specialty uh, really comes in handy. Absolutely. If this, it, this would be my ideal opening to a film. I want cars out on the road driving as fast as they physically can with people trying to get to each other. Fasts and Furiouses, I want gone in 60 seconds. Say, we got a shout-out from Baby Driver last episode. We did, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, he called her Baby Driver. Uh, <laughs> and once upon a pair of wheels, she hits the road and she's gone. By the way, you know a weird thing about that song? My daddy was a prominent frogman. <laughs> was the last time you, like, saw a frogman in the news? I, I mean, they do good work, search and rescue and stuff, but... Right. I don't, I don't think there's any prominent ones. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm more surprised that they're brought up because I feel like most frogmen would re- prefer to remain anonymous, you know. <laughs> they're not in it for the glory. <laughs> exactly. The, um, this is one of my favorite Muppet Show sketches was uh, when they did the uh, Paul Simon episode and it was all Paul Simon songs and they just had a bunch of babies singing Baby Driver. <laughs> it's like, that's such an obvious joke, but I love it. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah. As it says, this was mostly the chase. Uh, we got a little shot of uh, Trooper Wagner calling in the, uh, the um, uh, calling in the vehicle uh, and being <laughs> consistently berated to say no force, which he was not saying. Uh, we then go into Marta's car, where she is, as she points out, literally flooring it and barely going over sixty-five because. You know, you know, we we talked about Hyundai accents last week. Mm-hmm. We know what's going on here. Uh, what then follows is one of my all-time favorite moments in the entire movie, which is that Benoit calls her again. <laughs> she looks out and sees him hanging out the uh, the back of the car that's uh, next to them, pointing at his phone, telling her to pick up. <laughs> What I think makes Benoit work so well as a character is his the the honesty of his reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking yesterday about you know Poirot uh, and how like that he's the like the hyper observant guy, and whether he's you know Kenneth Branagh or Albert Finney or Peter Ustinov who all play the part very differently, it's always like when he notices something, he's showing off a little bit like I have noticed this thing. Whereas Benoit, when he notices, he's like, huh? What? Is that Marta? <laughs> and so when he's doing that, like, you know, pick up the phone. Like, I don't know. It feels real, you know? Absolutely. There's a a fascination that clearly shows on Benoit's face whenever something new catches his eye. 
And it's amazing to say that because there are certain things that he noticed earlier in the movie that he does not reveal that he noticed them until much further uh, further along in the runtime. And it's like, okay, so he knows when to turn it on and when to turn it off. If he does notice something in that Poirot, I have made a clever observation kind of way, he doesn't cotton on to it. He doesn't want other people to know that he knows. Yeah. But when he you finds almost... something in the moment, it sparks. Yeah, you almost feel that he's behaving that way for Marta's benefit. A little bit. Well, to more than a little bit, as, we'll, uh, as we'll find out uh, in a future scene. Yeah, no, there, there's there's definitely an element of that as well. But there's stuff sure. like the first time he sees her throwing up from lying. And he says, like, he, he thought that it was, like, you know, metaphorical. <laughs> I, I genuinely think he did think that. Yeah. yeah. He gets out there and is like, oh, whoa, okay, hold, whoa, yikes. Sorry about that. And that's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, that I think makes the character special. Like, he doesn't have, like, a huge hook in the way that some of the other, uh, you know, great detectives do. Like, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes and his, uh, you know, crazy breadth of knowledge. Or, uh, like, Sean Spencer and his photographic memory and all these other things that you see with, uh, you know, these these detective, these wacky detective type characters. He more just has a genuine and pervasive interest in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, it, that's pretty much all that happens plot-wise. The very last thing that happens is Marta slams on the brakes, uh, which causes all of the cops who are chasing her at high speed to way overshoot the exit she's going for, uh, thereby causing her to actually get a little bit of an upper hand. Uh, when going to the town where they are looking for this so-called Columbus Road. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we land. Yeah. I must say that coming from a series of movies where vehicular aggression is so prominent to watch a chase happening and hearing Lieutenant Elliot talking about no force, we're, we're not going to try to you know, bodily influence them at all. And it seems so antithetical to the idea of a chase where no force was at the, the end was of that the day, an all they, I would say we're at the end of the day, all they really want to do is get their hands on ransom so they can question him. Like they're not trying to destroy them or run them off the road or anything like that. They just noticed they were there and want to get to the bottom of this. And I love the visual gag of um, Wagner's vehicle pushing past 80 and then you cut immediately over to Marta's speedometer and it is struggling to reach 55. Now, my Hyundai was able to do highway speeds. It wasn't able to do significant highway speeds, but I, I didn't have to put on my blinkers and drive in the breakdown lane, which I imagine... Marta would have to do if she wanted to get onto an actual four-lane highway. I uh, I mentioned in the last episode that I took it cross-country, and I will say it could get along at, like, 65, but whenever you get out into the crazy states where you're driving past speed limit signs that say, like, 85 and 95 on them, and yeah. me from New Jersey goes, what? That's not a thing. Uh, also... <laughs> Not not only not only was I not mentally prepared for it, but uh, the, the car was not physically prepared for it. I would try. I mean, it'd be like, well, when in when in Rome or Utah, oh, as say, the case may be. How often do you get the chance to really put the pedal all the way down to the floor? It's very exciting. Well, but then you do, and then the engine starts going like. 
<laughs> I don't know what that is. It starts making noises you don't intend to ever hear coming out of an engine. Right? It's like, I'm sorry. I don't know how you live your life, Montana. <laughs> oh, boy. By the way, the 95 yeah. was an exaggeration. I don't think anybody has that as an officially posted speed limit. I think the highest right. I ever saw was 80. I think there are a few counties in this country where there is no speed limit posted. But I, at the same time, yeah. those are highways that don't have trees on either side of them. If you went off the road, the only thing you'd hit is a shrub. I think, or a jackalope. Uh, I, th- I think I drove through some entire states where the speed limit sign might as well have just been a winking face. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, oh, good times. Let's uh, let's talk now. the The interesting thing is that we're not the first. I was I was looking at the the list of you know, recorded episodes, and there's somebody before us that hasn't recorded yet. But I think we're the first recording after they've actually announced stuff about a sequel. Hmm. Uh, which is exciting because the uh, our our Wednesday talking point is what do you want to see out of a sequel. Uh, so we've, we've kind of actually got some options here. Uh, I, I assume they'll talk about this two weeks prior in week 17, uh, which is getting recorded shortly. But so far, uh, Dave Batista, Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, and Leslie Odom Jr. That is another great cast. I'm glad to see that we're following the, I guess, adventures of Benoit Blanc. I think he was an excellent character. I'm glad that we're not dragging in old names from the first movie. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis confirmed on Instagram that all thrombies are out, that none of them are uh, are coming back. Um, which uh, you know, which which is the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to say like, you know, we've all seen a sequel where something was in there clearly because it was in the previous one and it just it didn't fit. <laughs> and uh, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but, you know, like I said, we've all seen it. I'm sure people out there listening are like, ah, just like, you know, etc. cetera. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I will say I do kind of hope that uh, Marta comes back. Which is, um, you know, that there, there would be ways to work her into the plot. I think it would be fun to see the two of them together. I could see her coming back as a cameo where... Benoit needs a favor and she has resources that can facilitate that that favor and so she shows up as a quick little scene as either the voice on the other end of a phone call or maybe we see her pick up the phone and answer it uh which you know is something she could have done in the minute that we're watching today but it would nice it'd be nice to see her amending her ways in the future I guess um I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of mystery I'd like to see Benoit solve in the sequel. Um, I mean, uh, another murder I feel like would be a little too close to home for Knives Out. So, you know, perhaps a theft, maybe a kidnapping would be interesting. Well, I will say, as far as the um, you know the 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 rules of the game, as it were. Uh, with with mystery movies, I, there's always a murder, even if it doesn't start out as a murder. There's always one eventually. <laughs> you just you really have to. Yeah, 
I, I, th- I said this on the last episode, but the one thing that I was thinking the way to get Marta in would be um, that all of her miscellaneous, you know, this is not to say that there's anything wrong about being a nurse or that she has to trade up, but with all of her miscellaneous conversations with Harlan um, and now owning his publishing company, if she had become a writer, mm. um, and then we could do like a murder, she wrote thing like she's off on a book tour, a murder happens, she happens to know the person who can solve it, so she calls in Benoit as the favor. Interesting. Uh, so this time she's the client, um, which I thought could be a good way and have them going and solving a mystery together again. You know, her working as his Watson. Um, which, yeah, I thought that could be good. But, uh, you know, far from required. If it's just him and a whole brand new cast of people, I'm sure we will love them just as much. Now, you just brought up Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. From what I'm seeing, she's still alive. She absolutely She's 95 is. years old. She was in uh, Mary Poppins Returns. That was not too long ago. Um, she she was playing a part that she might as well have been holding up a sign saying, this was supposed to be Julie Andrews. <laughs> By the way, don't blame Julie Andrews for not wanting to do it. She said that she did not want to be on screen and have the audience go, aha, that's the real Mary Poppins. So that would be unfair <laughs> to Emily Blunt. And uh, I, I agree with her. But I did right. find it funny that she did decide to take a voiceover part in Aquaman that came out the same week. Yeah, it would be pretty amazing to see her, I guess, tottered out for a <laughs> a Knives Out sequel. She, um, if nothing I... else, than to be a Grand Nana mm-hmm. type role, where all she has to do is sit there and drink tea or something to that effect she's uh she's still pretty uh up and active i mean she was doing stage work as of like last year i think yeah well not last year because you know the thing but uh but according to what i'm reading yeah november 18th 2019 she was in a one night benefit staging of the importance of being earnest there you go on broadway wait really yeah which lady bracknell i assume right Yes. Okay. Sorry, that's I'm that's the drama teacher in me. Uh, did it, does it say who else was in it? Why did I not hear about this? I would have tried because I really regretted not seeing her the last time she was on Broadway in Blythe Spirit*. And then they made the movie and they gave it to Judy Dench, which I mean, fine, but you know. Let's see. Let me just check in here. Uh, da, da, da. It does not seem to say who else was yeah, in it in this article I'm looking at. Oh, well, the point is, I would love to see her uh, go toe-to-toe with Benoit Blanc. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, um, or actually come to that, Julie Andrews. <laughs> I mean, either or at this point. Go ahead and throw her in there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, 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 you could, you could put anybody in. You know, there's, there's a new, uh, Poirot movie coming out this year. Oh, that's right. Um, uh, Death on the Nile. That's what it was. Yeah, because they did a uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and then there was a lot of talk about them doing Murder on the Nile. But I think they got thrown out of whack with the past year that we've all had. I'll tell you what, there's two things that happened during the past year that threw them out of whack. And one was that um, uh, it was supposed to be released in February, but um, the, uh, well, no, what was it? I think, I don't remember when it was supposed to be released. The point is it's not coming out until next February now. Uh, because the COVID kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And the other thing is that uh, Army Hammer is in it. <laughs> and Oh, yes. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's a, not a name that you want to put in your advertising anymore these days. I was about to say, he's an actor that's a bit hard to swallow at the moment. 
Let's all get our cannibal jokes out now. Uh, I think that's some pretty poor taste. Let's see. You know, sometimes those public statements, you know, they can really, uh, they can really eat at you after a while. Uh, Army Hammer is a weird sex cannibal. Um, This is a good cast, though, in that one, too. They got uh, Sophie Okonedo. They got uh, French and Saunders are in it. Uh, Rose Leslie. I'm just going off my memory now. I didn't look up the article. Uh, Russell Brand. Which mm. Russell Brand is perfect because he's that kind of person that you would never think about being in a movie like that. But as soon as you find out he's in it, you're like, I'd like to see where this goes. Right. He's just odd enough that he's intriguing. It's kind of like Dave Bautista being in Knives Out too. Like Exactly. Not somebody you'd expect, but somebody that you're all of a sudden just fascinated to know what he's going to be doing there. My uh, my students were uh, putting together suggestions for who they would want to see in a movie of 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. And one of them cast Dave Bautista in the uh, Henry Fonda part. Oh, And my initial thought was, what? And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I would really like to see that. I say, I... Now that makes me think that it would be very bold of someone to take a very serious production like 12 Angry Men... And cast it with nothing but former and current professional wrestlers. Because these dudes are always large, they're always very aggressive in their performances, and it would be interesting to put them all in a room and have them act opposite each other. You know, uh, put I The Rock that... in there, put Dave Batista, put uh, uh, guy who's no uh, John, John Cena. Uh, I'm John thinking Cena, of ones that can yeah. actually act. Uh, Stephen Farrelly is pretty good. I mean, I'm, I've only seen him in a Ninja Turtle sequel, but, you know, he, he did a good job in it, playing yeah, a mutated I, rhinoceros. I believe The Edge was recently in a movie where he played opposite um, Frasier. Uh, yes, <laughs> Kelsey yes indeed. Money Plane. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that was certainly a movie. I can't, guys, we're not supposed to curse on this show unless we're doing a direct quote from Knives Out. So I would just like to say, just go watch the trailer for Money Plane. You're, if like watch whatever the red band trailer is because Kelsey Grammer has a line that I think is unparalleled in the history of cinema. Yeah, that man chews so much scenery it makes Army Hammer jealous. Have you seen? <laughs> uh, have you seen Money Plane? I have not watched it, but I've seen enough clips of it that I feel like I've got a good gist of it. It's it's really fascinating watching Kelsey Grammer at work in that movie because, he, he, first of all, he's straight up phoning it in. But, you know, he's good enough at being Kelsey Grammer that he doesn't have to try that hard. Exactly. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was, like, in his contract that, like, he will not stand up for more than, like, 15 seconds. <laughs> It yeah, is I've really s- one of those, I'm going to stay behind a desk this entire movie. I'm, I'm going to sit here at this coffee table. I'm going to sit behind this desk. I'm going to sit down and be on the phone. Yeah, when it comes to movies... Two days, and I'm getting second billing under the edge. When it comes to movies that have the word plane in their title, I got really confident after watching movies like Airplane that were funny, and then I watched Snakes on a Plane, and I got really careful from that moment on. Snakes on a Plane is a movie that did not intend to be anything but a dumbass thriller to pull in just a you know a few bucks, and then the internet heard about the working title, which was not even supposed to be the title, and decided it was a comedy masterpiece, and then it came out, and it was just a dumb thriller, and everybody was like, oh. I say, this 
seems like a good opportunity for me to throw out my metric for judging the quality of a movie. And it's based roughly on Snakes on a Plane. Uh, When it comes to a movie, I want the movie to deliver on the premise of the title. If the poster says Snakes on a Plane and the movie features snakes that are on a plane, then I will be satisfied knowing that the movie fulfilled the premise of the title. And so when I watch the movie like Knives Out, I'm watching and I'm like, okay, why is it called Knives Out? And granted, it's not in any of the minutes we're talking about this week, but once Benoit utters the phrase Knives Out and it adds context to the whole film, then I get to sit back and say, ah, yes, the the poster has been fulfilled with the title of this movie. Also, at the end, somebody takes a knife out. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Can't yeah. argue with the, that. The circle of knives that is featured in the library set is actually the background on my computer because I have three monitors because I can never have enough. And so when all of my windows are closed, I have this lovely circle of knives on my wall. And it's a very cool visual to have just in your office. I would just like to say that I I could not resist and I went and looked it up. So first of all, the, the cast of Snakes on a Plane, how many of them can you even remember? And you can't say Samuel L. Jackson because that's cheating. I did not remember almost any of these people were in this movie. It's funny to think that someone like Keenan Thompson is yep. in that movie. <laughs> He's the one that lands not, the plane. Like, Snakes on a Plane is not supposed to be a comedy, and yet you have this comedic actor like Keenan Thompson. And that was when he was only on SNL for like two years at that point, as yeah. opposed to now when I think he's somehow been on it since the 70s. Yeah, I believe that uh, that show is not so much like a show where he is employed. It is his show Yep. just as much as it is Lorne Michaels' show. That's honestly, I think he's hanging around so he can take over from Lorne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here's who else we got uh, Juliana Margulies is in that uh, mm-hmm. Bobby Cannavale and that had to be like before anybody knew who he was uh, we got uh, Flex Alexander was on there David Keckner was the co-pilot uh, Taylor Kitsch that's definitely before anybody knew who he was because mm-hmm. that would be pre-Friday Night Lights um, and I did go ahead and check it was, the original title was Venom um, which you can see why they didn't stick with that uh, right. but then they decided not to call it Venom, and so they, they working titled it Snakes on a Plane because whatever, they figure we'll change it later. Apparently what they were going to change it to until they decided the, the internet buzz was so much that they had to change it back was Pacific Air Flight 121. Oh, that is a very boring and generic title. I'm glad right. they did not stick with it. Oh, boy. All right. I feel like we have not talked about Knives out much this, well, really this entire week, but, you know, let's say, uh, we've got a week that's mostly car chases. All right, I've got to say... Which, again, nothing against them, but when we're doing it minute by minute, it's a little like, and then they drove some more. There's a subtle brilliance to what Marta does when she realizes there is no way that she can ever escape the police with pure speed where she slams on the brakes and forces all of them to pass her. It's an amazingly clever move on her part and really shows off how resourceful she can be, especially since where she slams on the brakes is right next to an exit. So she's able to whip away from them 
while they're trying to orient themselves in order to pursue her. Now, granted, as soon as we cut into the city center itself, they are back on her tail. But for a while, she outsmarted them. And she's gonna do some more stuff in the next episode, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, well, let's get to it now. Um, but before that, please do uh, plug your stuff, give us your socials. Certainly. If people want to hear more of my voice, they can go to madmaxminute.com. That's where you can find all of the released and currently releasing seasons of the Mad Max Minute covering all of that post-apocalyptic goodness. If you want to find me specifically, you'll be sorely disappointed when you research or when you search for at Rick Direct on Instagram and Twitter because I do not post a whole lot. I mostly stick to podcast stuff, so you know, stick with Mad Max Minute. But if you are interested in updates about this show, you couldn't do any better than going on Twitter to Knives Out Minute. I assume, unless that crazy fan that I've been making up has started his own tribute. Uh, Twitter account for us in which case I say I salute you again crazy fan you're the most fascinating person to spring out of my imagination (laughs) Uh, do go ahead and rate and review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and we will check in with you in just a moment with Minute 94